Hey, this is Dr. Eric, and I just want to let you know about my gut healing bundle for those with thyroid and autoimmune thyroid conditions. This includes SMT Probio, which is a probiotic with 18 well-researched strains, Enzymes Plus, which not only includes digestive enzymes, but betaine, HCL, and ox bile, and SMT GI Restore, which is a stevia-free formulation that has multiple nutrients and herbs that have been proven to help support the healing of the gut. To learn more about this, you can visit guthealingbundle.com. One of the most common questions I get asked by those with hyperthyroidism is what they should eat. Well, in this episode, I'll be discussing diet and hyperthyroidism, including the foods I recommend to eat, as well as those I recommend to avoid. One thing that I'll mention during this episode, but I want to reinforce here, is that there is no diet that fits everyone perfectly. And the most important thing you can do from a dietary perspective is to eat an anti-inflammatory diet consisting of whole foods. But of course, I'll get more specific during this episode. And so let's get started. Welcome to the Save My Thyroid podcast, hosted by Dr. Eric Osansky. To stay up to date on the latest thyroid health-related topics, make sure to subscribe on your podcast player. And to get your free thyroid and immune health restoration action points checklist, visit SaveMyThyroidChecklist.com. The following discussion is for educational purposes only and is not intended to diagnose or treat any disease. Please do not apply any of this information without first speaking with your doctor. Now let's head to the show. Welcome back to the Save My Thyroid podcast. This is Dr. Eric Osansky, and in this episode, I'm going to discuss some hyperthyroid diet tips. All right, so of course, eating well is essential not only for all hyperthyroid conditions, but pretty much any health condition. But when it comes to hyperthyroidism, of course, we're talking about Graves' disease, toxic multinodular goiter, even subacute thyroiditis. So with all these conditions, eating well is important in order to improve your health. And in the case of, let's say, Graves' disease, get into remission, toxic multinodular goiter to address the underlying cause, and inflammation. We all know it's a hallmark of just about all chronic health conditions, again, not just hyperthyroidism. So you want to do everything you can to reduce inflammation in the body. Once again, eating an anti-inflammatory diet alone might not be enough to restore your health, but eating an anti-inflammatory diet is definitely an important piece of the puzzle. It definitely is important to eat a healthy anti-inflammatory diet in order to restore your health, even if just doing this alone won't necessarily. In some cases, it will. Some cases, just changing one's diet alone could have a dramatic improvement in one's health and maybe even alone get the person in remission. But many times it's just a piece of the puzzle. And so I'll add that in some people, food could be a trigger. So like with Graves' disease, certain foods could be an autoimmune trigger, such as gluten, dairy. But even if this isn't the case, once again, you still want to eat a healthy anti-inflammatory diet. I need to remind everyone that there is no diet that fits everyone perfectly. Regardless of what type of hyperthyroid condition you have, I, of course, recommend to eat mostly whole foods, which includes plenty of fresh vegetables, preferably organic vegetables. Uh, You want to avoid refined foods and sugars. You want to avoid fast food, as well as unhealthy oils, which are in the fast food. Uh, Avoid common allergens. So I mentioned gluten, dairy, corn is another one, soy, a common allergen. And it doesn't mean you can never eat these foods again. 
But while restoring your health, you definitely want to avoid all these allergens that I just mentioned. And then I also briefly mentioned with vegetables that you want to try to eat organic. But really, overall, you want to try to eat organic whenever possible and try to avoid genetically modified foods. And if you're eating organic, then you're going to be avoiding the GMOs. So as I mentioned, there's no single diet that fits everyone perfectly. And so what I will be doing here is I am going to discuss three types of diets to consider following if you have hyperthyroidism. Really, it's going to be four types of diet because I'm going to also mention for those who are a vegan or vegetarian. But let's first start off with a paleo diet. So once again, with a paleo diet, you'll be eating a whole foods diet. And as far as what specifically you can eat, of course, with just about any diet, you're going to eat plenty of vegetables, some fruit, and there are exceptions. Not every diet involves eating plenty of vegetables, but, but many, many do. Eggs, nuts, and seeds are allowed on a paleo diet. Meat and fish, so if you're not a vegan vegetarian, uh, meat and fish are permitted to eat. Healthy oil, such as coconut oil, olive oil, avocado oil. As I mentioned earlier, you want to avoid common allergens, so gluten, dairy, corn, soy. And also with a paleo diet, you want to avoid eating grains and legumes. And a big reason for this is because grains and legumes can be harsh on the gut, so they are excluded from a paleo diet. So next, let's discuss a modified paleo diet. So with a modified paleo diet, you still probably want to eat plenty of vegetables. At least I'll, I'll recommend eating plenty of vegetables as well as some fruit and eggs, nuts and seeds, meat and fish. Again, if you're not a vegan vegetarian, healthy oils, coconut oil, olive oil, av avocado oil. And so with a modified paleo diet, properly prepared legumes would be allowed, such as pressure cooked beans. Also, a small amount of grains are permitted. So rice, obviously gluten-free grains, so half cup of, let's say, rice or certified gluten-free oats. And I would say like half a cup twice per week. Quinoa, now quinoa is a, a pseudo grain, but I, I would say it's, it's probably probably okay as well to have quinoa with, if you're following a modified paleo diet. So you still want to avoid common allergens, so gluten, dairy, corn, soy. And then there's the autoimmune paleo diet or AIP diet. And so as far as what you can eat with this diet, definitely is more restrictive, the most restrictive diet of the three I'm discussing here. So plenty of vegetables, again, some fruit, meat and fish, healthy oils, avoiding the common allergens I've mentioned a few times. Like paleo, you want to avoid grains and legumes. But unlike paleo, with autoimmune paleo, you're avoiding eggs, nuts, and seeds and you're also avoiding the nightshades. Now, some will say even with regular paleo, like a standard paleo diet, you want to avoid nightshades. And nightshades include tomatoes, eggplant, peppers, as well as white potatoes. And the reason why you want to avoid these foods is because they have compounds, especially like nightshades. They have compounds that could cause inflammation, affect gut healing, even eggs. eggs. The egg white has compounds that could affect gut healing. Nuts and seeds also can be a little bit harsher on the gut. Everybody's different, of course. So there are people that just follow a paleo diet and do perfectly fine. But there are some people who 
eventually need to avoid the nuts and seeds. So I'll tell you a little bit of a story. When I was dealing with Graves' disease, there was no autoimmune paleo diet. So I wasn't following an autoimmune paleo diet. I was following more of a regular paleo diet, although I've never been a huge egg eater. Same thing with nightshades. I mean, I like white potatoes, but really never big into tomatoes, eggplants. So really, I was following mostly it was probably a little bit closer to AIP, what AIP would have been back then if there was autoimmune paleo, but I was still eating nuts and seeds and my health was improving, but there was a test on, uh, I did adrenal saliva testing and there's a marker secretory IgA and it was depressed the first time. And then I ended up retesting and it was still depressed and I didn't know why. And so I decided to avoid the nuts and seeds for a couple of months, retest the secretory IgA. And secretory IgA does relate to the gut. It's not only relating to the gut. But either way, I avoided the nuts and seeds. Secretory IgA improved. Would it have improved if I continued eating nuts and seeds? I don't know. But again, it is excluded from that autoimmune paleo diet. And to be fair and to be upfront, it's not as if I properly prepared the nuts and seeds. I didn't like soak them and sprout them. So that also might have made a difference if I continued eating them. But autoimmune paleo it's it's for a lot of people it is a good starting point but obviously it is really strict and so some people will choose to follow the paleo diet some people will choose to follow the modified paleo diet that i mentioned and again if you're doing fine on a paleo modified paleo diet then there's no reason to switch over to autoimmune paleo diet but if someone starts with a paleo or modified paleo diet and they're not receiving optimal results then that's when they might want to consider following autoimmune paleo diet. And that's one of the advantages of following autoimmune paleo diet initially, AIP diet initially, is let's say a few months go by and you're not improving symptom-wise or you you do some retesting and things aren't improving, you probably can't blame it on the diet. And there's always exceptions. I mean, someone could have a sensitivity to broccoli or something like that. And that's why some doctors will bring up food sensitivity testing. And I'm not going to go into that here, maybe in a future episode. But autoimmune paleo diet, I realize it's strict, but sometimes it's nice to start with that. This way, if after a few months, if someone's not improving, then you can't blame it, at least on the nightshades, or you can't blame it on the eggs or the nuts and seeds. So what should you eat if you're a vegan or vegetarian? I will mention that you don't need to eat meat to restore your health. And many people who eat meat find an AIP diet to be very challenging. So again, when I talk about vegetarians, but people who actually eat meat and fish will find an autoimmune paleo diet to be very challenging. So I'm sure you can imagine that this diet would be even more challenging for someone who doesn't eat meat or fish. And so for vegans and vegetarians, I would recommend either a paleo or a modified paleo diet minus the meat or fish. So you could say maybe it's a four type of diet, but really it's either follow the paleo or modified paleo diet and just not eat the meat or fish. A lot of vegans, vegetarians would probably prefer that modified paleo diet just because they're able to eat a little bit of grains and the properly prepared legumes. How long should you follow this diet for? So I would say a minimum of 30 days. However, 90 days would be even better. And you can go longer than 90 days if you're thriving and not stressed out about the diet. And then when it comes to reintroducing foods, you want to start with one food at a time 
reintroduce one food every three or four days. So let's say if you start with eggs, or some will say just start with egg yolks. So let's say you're following autoimmune paleo, and the first food you reintroduce is egg yolks. They would eat, you know, egg yolks every day for three or four days in a row. There's so many different variations. Some will say just eat the egg yolk for one day. And some will say even have just a, like a bite or two of the egg yolk initially and then see how you respond. And if all goes well, maybe, you know, eat a little bit more later in the day. And then maybe the next few days not eat any egg yolks and see how you respond. So my approach is if you want to eat the egg yolk all three or four days, that's fine. Obviously, if you eat it the first day and if you have a reaction, then I wouldn't continue eating it. So if you have any type of reaction, stop the food, wait for the symptoms to resolve, and then you would reintroduce the next food. When it comes to reintroduction, Sarah Ballantyne, who has a website, paleomom.com, and a few wonderful books. So she has different stages of reintroductions. It's not perfect, or I mean, there's no really perfect method. That's just what she chooses. And she bases it on reintroducing nutrient-dense foods first and those that are less allergenic initially. So at least it's a guideline to go by. So some might wonder, can you eventually reintroduce gluten, dairy, corn, soy, those common allergens? And it really depends on the person. And there are some practitioners who will tell you never to reintroduce gluten, dairy, especially if you have a condition such as Graves' disease or any other autoimmune condition. I will say I've been in remission since 2009. I can't say I've been 100% gluten-free and dairy-free. For the most part, I am. But there have been times when I have fallen off the wagon So it is playing with fire. So if you reintroduce gluten and or dairy or even some other allergens like corn, there is the possibility that you can become inflamed, maybe even relapse. So that ultimately is up to you. So I did play with fire a little bit when I was first exposed to these allergens. And like I said, I don't eat them regularly, but I'm just trying to be upfront and letting you know that I've not completely avoided these foods 100% since being in remission. And thankfully, I've still have remained in remission since then. Also, one other thing I mentioned, ideally 90 days and can go longer than 90 days. So, I mean, if if someone's following autoimmune paleo, you you could definitely go longer than 90 days, even though it's not meant to be a long-term diet. But for some people, paleo or modified paleo will be their long-term diet. There's nothing wrong if someone wants to eat paleo the rest of their life or modified paleo. I would say I'm probably more of a modified paleo on a wellness basis, but probably close to the paleo because I don't eat really legumes and I'll have grains maybe a few times a month rather than a few times per week, but I will eat eggs, not a whole lot because I'm not a huge egg person, but my wife is a huge egg person. So sometimes she'll make me an egg or two, but I do eat nuts regularly, nuts and sometimes seeds, more more nuts like almonds, pistachios, walnuts, pecans. For those who have toxic multinodular goiter, what type of diet should you follow? Just keep in mind, this is usually caused by insulin resistance or problems with estrogen metabolism, or sometimes both of these. With insulin resistance, you always want to follow a low sugar, low carbohydrate diet. doesn't mean you have to follow a ketogenic type diet, uh, but you definitely want to minimize the sugars, minimize the carbohydrates. Also with insulin resistance, there usually is an inflammatory process. So you would want to address this. Many times just changing your diet alone won't resolve the insulin resistance state. And so with estrogen metabolism, you want to do things to support phase two detoxification pathways. And this includes methylation, sulfation, 
glutathione. So I'm not going to get into detail with these, but eating plenty of cruciferous vegetables, which there are some sources that say don't eat cruciferous vegetables because they're goitrogens, they inhibit thyroid function. But most people do fine with cruciferous vegetables. So they're very, very healthy, very nutrient dense. So I would encourage you to eat a good amount of cruciferous vegetables. Doesn't mean you have to eat five cups of raw cruciferous vegetables per day. You could definitely could have some steamed broccoli. You could also have some raw cruciferous vegetables. And then broccoli sprouts also really good for supporting estrogen metabolism. Let me briefly discuss a few other hyperthyroid diet tips. So again, I mentioned earlier that you want to eat mostly organic. So there's something called the Dirty Dozen and Clean 15 list from the Environmental Working Group. For more information, you can visit their website, ewg.org. It's either .com or .org, I forget. So, Or just, just do a search for environmental working group and you should find it. And these lists are updated each year. So with the Dirty Dozen list, again, this lists the top 12 fruits and vegetables with the greatest amount of pesticides. Clean 15 lists the top 15 fruits and vegetables with the least amount of pesticides. They're definitely not perfect lists, but for example, strawberries have been on top of the Dirty Dozen list for the last few years. So I would not advise eating non-organic strawberries. Avocados have been, I don't know if they're number one on the Clean 15, but towards the top. So if you absolutely have to eat a non-organic avocado, I don't think it's as big of a deal. But if you're out and about eating at a restaurant, I would try to avoid foods that are on the Dirty Dozen list. And if organic's not an option, then try to eat foods on the Clean 15 list. And then I also mentioned where you want to try to avoid genetically modified foods. Also, there's a little bit of a debate when it comes to gluten versus glyphosate. Some will say the problem isn't with gluten, but it's glyphosate. And glyphosate is the active ingredient in the herbicide Roundup. Uh, definitely is toxic and, and very well people might be reacting more to the glyphosate than the gluten. And there's stories about people going to a different country and eating wheat and doing fine. But when they eat wheat in the United States, they don't do fine. Also, another hyperthyroid diet tip is don't eat a lot of sugar. And this doesn't just apply to hyperthyroidism, of course, but just in general. And also salt. So I do recommend some sea salt usually, like Celtic sea salt. Most people, when they think of high salt intake, they think of things like high blood pressure. But there is some evidence that salt can also increase TH17 cells, which are associated with autoimmunity. So you do want to be cautious when it comes to eating salt and not load up on salt. Even sea salt, I would say, if you're going to have some sea salt, maybe like half a teaspoon, maybe up to a teaspoon per day. And everybody's different too. So some people might do better with a lower amount, maybe like a quarter to a half teaspoon of sea salt, but I definitely wouldn't flood your food with salt. A question that sometimes comes up is whether people with hyperthyroidism should eat foods low in iodine. I will say I usually recommend to avoid foods really high in iodine, such as seaweed, kelp, so like the sea vegetables. But other foods such as, you know, like seafood or eggs actually are a good source of iodine. So I can't say I tell people to avoid those foods. I mean, if someone's following autoimmune paleo, they'll be avoiding eggs, but it's not because that they're higher in iodine. So when it comes to foods, I would say mainly the sea vegetables, but everybody's different. And, you know, you could always experiment with avoiding other food sources of iodine and, and seeing if that makes a difference. If you 
let's say if you're eating foods like fish and eggs and you're not improving. But again, in the case of eggs, it might not be the iodine. It could be the compounds in egg whites. Also, people could have an egg allergy, so you need to consider that as well. So just a final reminder that eating a healthy diet alone might not be enough to restore your health. But if you eat an inflammatory diet, you won't receive optimal results. And with that being said, I like to give a few action steps to wrap up this episode. So first of all, you want to eat whole healthy foods with plenty of vegetables to increase diversity of the gut microbiome and choose one of the diets I discussed. So I mentioned the paleo diet, modified paleo diet, and autoimmune paleo diet. Follow this diet for at least 30 to 90 days. As I mentioned, in the case of the paleo diet or modified paleo diet, you might decide to follow this type of diet permanently. And then after this period, begin reintroducing one food at a time. All right, well, that's all I want to discuss with regards to hyperthyroid diet. And I hope you learned a lot. And I look forward to catching you on the next episode. Thank you for listening to the Save My Thyroid podcast. If you haven't done so already, make sure you hit subscribe to stay up to date on the latest thyroid health-related topics. And to get your free thyroid and immune health restoration action points checklist, visit SaveMyThyroidChecklist.com. Thanks so much for tuning in. All this talk about food makes me want to grab a pizza. Just kidding. Well, not really, as I really can go for a pizza right now. In all seriousness, though, while I definitely did not eat any pizza while I was trying to restore my health when dealing with Graves' disease, I have had plenty of pizza since being in remission. And the good news is that it's possible to make a gluten-free pizza that tastes delicious. Also, if you want more hyperthyroid diet tips, please visit the website hyperthyroidhealingdiet.com. I want to let you know about a product called Hepatomune Supreme, which is a unique supplement that has a rare combination of N-acetylcysteine, also known as NAC, milk thistle, and schisandra to support the liver. And it also has a few mushrooms that can help support the immune system, including cordyceps, which has both immune modulating and adaptogenic properties and is great for those with Graves' disease and Hashimoto's. To learn more about Hepatomune Supreme, visit SaveMyThyroid.com forward slash liver support.